0: This is Around the Rim with China Robinson. All right, basketball fans. Well, um, this is both an exciting but also a sad moment for us here on the Around the Rim podcast as Tarika and I are welcoming in a future Hall of Famer that has decided to hang up her kicks For the very last time, and it hurts. I'm not even going to lie, because Simone has given me personally some of my best memories on the court and interviews off the court. And I know she has meant so much to our game and to so many people. If you don't know the resume, the number one overall draft pick in 2006 to the Minnesota Lynx. Um, she will retire as one of the most prolific basketball players of all time. She won four championships with the Lynx, eight all-star appearances, six all-WNBA teams, three Olympic gold medals. And we will get into the LSU days in a moment, but please join us in welcoming Simone Augustus to the show. Welcome, Simone.
1: How you doing, people? Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) So now it's been a few days since your announcement, like, how are you feeling now versus yesterday versus the day before? Has it set in? Like, what are you feeling like?
1: No, I'm still getting adjusted. (laughs) Still getting adjusted. Um, I was laughing yesterday and my teammates was like, I'm still in player mode a little bit. Like, when we go to the game, shoot around and all that, I'm still like, "What, what do I do? Where do I go? You know, type thing. And, you know, even like this morning, I'm like sitting around trying to figure out what it is to do. But um, slowly but surely, like, you know, Coach Fred is always in my ear, LT, everybody's like, just pick your little spots and, you know, get in there, talk to the girls whenever. And now more than ever, the girls are just starting to pull me to the side, like, yo, I need to get some shots up, come help me or whatever. So it's it's been a smooth transition, but it's still a little bit of adjustment, like mentally, um, to go from being a player to a coach.
0: Well, it softened the blow for us because I think if you were just like, all right, I'm done, and had just bounced, um, there'd be more tears than there were initially. But for those who haven't heard, Simone is definitely still in the game. She's transitioned into coaching. But um, your press conference was outstanding. And I hope 50 jillion people listen to it because, you know, we've always talked about just how much knowledge you have, even though you're not the first to speak always or the loudest in the room, or sometimes we have to chase you for interviews, your storytelling. (laughs) And, you know, just how you understand the game is at a, a very high level, but take me back, take us back for those that didn't see that, that press conference to why now, why was now the time to retire?
1: Yeah, it was, um, I mean, like I got told them, it had been happening for like a few months, like prior to me getting to L.A., um, you know, my body was just, it felt different, you know, the excitement around like, oh, I got to get in shape for training camp. It wasn't really there like it has been in previous years. Um, but I will myself through it. Like most athletes do. we use our mind. Mind over matter. Like we just get it done. And, um, you know, I get to training camp and it's kind of the same feeling. And as I'm, we're closing our training camp, my body just really didn't feel as safe, you know, or secure as it had been. And I'm looking around training camp and I'm seeing all this great talent. And as you all know, we don't have enough teams in this league. We really do need to expand it. We're seeing all these players get waived and all this stuff going on. And, you know, as you know, L.A. has been transitioning and trying to figure out what their future is going to look like, but also trying to allow me to finish my legacy however it is that I wanted to finish, and I'm just like, you know, I'm at a point where if I can't give everything that I need to to help this team, then maybe I should just let the younger players have their time and just kind of enjoy that. And given the opportunity, maybe I could stay around and help guide these young players, you know, into the future, into learning about becoming a professional, like, you know, the most professional professional that you you can be as well as the championship mindset, what it's going to take, trusting one another, things like that, like little little, little gems here and there that I could pass on. And so um, the decision really came, you know, 30 minutes before Fish had to decide what his final roster was going to be. And like I said, in a press conference, I really had to, like, speak to my parents and talk to them and see what their thoughts were before I even made my decision. But I think they already knew, what my decision was prior to me leaving because of the way I had been talking prior to coming to LA and they was like, we were just waiting on you to say the word because we already know you were kind of tired. And to be honest, you've done everything you needed to do and it's about time for me to get some rest anyway. So uh, once I got that relief from my parents and I was fine, because I knew they took a lot of joy in watching me play and being a part of that process. Uh, that process. So once they confirmed that I, the way I felt is what they had seen and I was you know, I was in a a peaceful place to just say it's time of let it go.
0: Isn't it wild though how your parents won't say anything until you say something? <laughs> like
1: Yeah. Just, it was it was so crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom is like that, but not, a, not about things as serious, but I'll say, Ooh, I can't move in this dress. And, she, and she'll say, I was wondering, it looks a little small. And I'm like, well, then why didn't you say something, you know? But I, I think parents do understand the importance of the balancing between. Yes. We know we have an influence on how you feel and we want you to be yourself and, you know, be your own person. And how selfless of you is it that, you know, and and it speaks volume. And this is who you've been, right? Like going back to your days of welcoming in the Maya Moores and the Sylvia Fowles and the Lindsey Whalen, like this is who you've been, someone who's embraced whatever's gonna make the team better. And so for you to look at Nia Coffee and you know, look at Bria Holmes and say, Well, you know, if I step aside, how does this help the team? I just think that's an incredibly um, that's just who you are in, in your character. Now, you, you talk a lot about your parents influence on your career being from the boot, which we know is important to you. Um, take us back to five year old Simone getting her start in basketball. How did your parents push through you know, what you admitted were humble beginnings to produce a Hall of Fame basketball player?
1: Man, just um commitment. Like, they saw at an early age that I just had a knack for the ball. Like, I, I tried so many different sports from volleyball to golf to softball to tennis. I mean, I probably tried it, but basketball was just, like, my thing. And so once they figured out that I really loved it, I enjoyed doing it, my friends, you know, like, the friends that I had, they enjoyed doing it. They didn't have to worry about, you know, me being around the wrong crowd and stuff like that. You know, they really started to, to put their time, effort, energy and money into making sure that I can continue to thrive doing it. And I mean we we really didn't have a lot of money. So my daddy made do with a lot of stuff that we just had around the house that he would use to help me with ball handling, help me with my shot, help me with conditioning and stuff like that. I don't know how many bike rides like, I said in the press conference yesterday, I was like, people in Baton Rouge could probably tell my story better than I could because they would see me and my dad like riding around the city on bikes you know, going to different uh rec centers, different like open open courts out in the city, just playing basketball and then having a bike home. And they would always like pull over in their car and like ride on side of us and like be like, see wanna take that girl home. <laughs> because he you know, he was a mastermind when it came to like uh how hard the work ethic part of it. Like he was a hard working man. Like my dad worked really hard. And so he just kind of instilled that in me. And he would always say this one little thing that always, like, hit in the back of my head. It was like, if somebody somewhere else is working just as hard as you, and when you meet this person, whenever it is, who's going to win this battle? And so I would always, like, think about somebody that i never met that somewhere across the country that was working just as hard as I was, and one day we was going to meet and what was going to happen. So I was like, I'm going to win. You know, I'm going to win. Whenever I meet that girl, I'm going to win, you know. And so that just kind of kept me motivated. So he would just do little things like that to keep me inspired, keep me motivated or whatever. And then Moms was just like the one that you can run to when your dad made you mad. Because we had a lot of fights. Like, we, we would bump his all the time. I would do something right 10 times. And he'd like, oh, you ain't not do it. gotta do it again. And I'd just get mad and like storm off and go in the house, my mom would be there and be like, all right, it's okay. You know, daddy love you, you know, type of (laughs) situation. So um, it was like a a perfect balance of, um, you know, the hard work, but then also when it's time to shut it down or when it's time to like, you know, keep us from tearing each other's heads off, like my mom was there to keep us at at ease, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think what's so unique about your story as as much as Louisiana loved you, and you know like love watching you grow up you didn't have to stay home I mean you could have gone to school a lot of places but to go to LSU to me just even cemented your legacy and what you've done to put the boot on the map and, and I know they're sad but also celebrating you right now so fast forward to your WNBA days Actually, you know what? Let me ask you one more question before we move on. Let me ask you about this because this is, this is interesting to me. Now, a lot of young girls will, will be inspired and have been inspired by your story, whether it was your humble beginnings, your injuries that you fought through in the beginning of your career. When Simone was a young girl, who inspired you? Like, what did you think you were setting out to accomplish at that time? Like, what were your goals? What did you see happening in your career?
1: At a young age, I mean, as we all know, like the WBA wasn't around, um, you know, I, I remember having like a USA basketball poster with like the 96 team on there. And I was so excited. Like, I wanted to be them. Like, I wanted to be on that poster. I wanted to – I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know what that team did. I didn't know who they played. I didn't know anything. You know what I mean? I just seen, you know, powerful women playing basketball. And I knew I wanted to play basketball. So um, they were really, like, my inspiration, you know, outside of my parents. You know, we, I didn't you know if we wanted to talk about like, everything my parents did. I think everybody knows know that. But outside of that, it was that 96 Olympic team. I was like, man, I'm going to be there one day. And I would work my tail off. And when the league came into existence, I got to actually see them. Like, you know, in America, the Houston Commons right around the corner from Louisiana, I would go down there and see them play. And it just blew my mind at the things that they were able to do, how they were doing it, you know, the fact that, you know, I was in there raising the roof and doing all the stuff. The fans were doing Like, that excited me, how they moved the crowd and the things that they were able to do on the floor and just the championships, like the excitement of winning a championship. Like, I had won, like, high school, but the professional ranks, it's a, little, it's a tad bit different because you're trying to get the best players in the world. And so just to see that, really um, inspired me. Like they kept me going like I'm going there, I'm going to the Olympics and I'm going to play in this league one day, you know, type situation. So I have to, I have to give it, give it up to those ladies.
0: Well, you did go on to be a three-time Olympic gold medalist with the USA basketball. So um, you made your mark in that right too representing our country. All right. So fast forward to Minnesota, the links were terrible. Um, you suffered some setbacks with injury <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were. Oh, they were. Um, oh, yeah. you, you you suffered some setbacks with injury and, you know, just losing really for the first time in your life. Um, but with open arms, you welcomed in Lindsey Whalen, who was adored in Minnesota, Maya Moore, who would go on, you know, obviously to be a prolific player. Your good friend Sylvia Fowles, all three future Hall of Famers, including also Rebecca Brunson. WNBA teams now all have the multiple lottery picks, the multiple MVPs, the number ones, like all, all on one roster, right? But you guys were one of, the, one of the first post-Houston Comets to really have a system where there were so many superstars that um, came together to do something special. How did what happened with your team in Minnesota impact what we're seeing in the WNBA now? Like, How did you guys... Um, you know, create maybe a model that is is now um, helping other teams that that can build rosters that look similar.
1: Like people, um, people used to give us slack about having that team, really. And I'm like, did you know that we lost like four or five years in a row? We got the number one pick, <laughs> the number one picks. I don't know how many times, you know, like that team, the stars just aligned for us. You know, we was in it. We ended up being able to make a trade to get Lindsey home. The Sacramento Monarchs, unfortunately, folded. We were able to get Bronson in a dispersal draft. And then the, the trade or whatever happened uh, with Tina to get the pick from Connecticut ended up being number one, and we got Maya. That's just like, things just aligned perfectly. But the years prior to, man, that was hard. But once that team you know, came together, we still didn't know how great we was going to be. We just saw a lot of talent on our roster. Like We've seen this many times in sports that it just never worked out. But it took a lot of um, sacrifice on everybody's part. You know, I I sacrificed points, you know, Waylon might have sacrificed some of this or, you know, Maya sacrificed, you know what I mean? Everybody had to be all in and understand that we had to trust one another. The things that we were about to go and do, people were never going to see this. Like they haven't seen it in over 20 years. And we, those ladies were the ones that kind of set the tone for us. It was like all of us. like we were sitting in the locker room talking about this, like, we're going to do what the Houston Commons did. Now, we knew we weren't going to go for in the road because the talent, the level, everything is raising like, in the league. So it was going to be a little bit harder for us to do what they did, but we can do something special. And so we just set out on this journey, and it was just amazing to see um, the impact we had on like, young girls that would come to the games. Like, the young girls that was coming to the games are now the young girls that are in the league, which is another reason why I think Birdie had an a, a, a interview a little <laughs> bit ago and was like, oh, my God, Kiki's mama is the same age as me. <laughs> That's, it started to feel like that in, in my last few uh, weeks or whatever. Everybody was like, how grew Why watching you play? And I'm like, oh, my God. But to see these ladies in the league now and them having watched the Minnesota Lynx and how we went about our business and how we won and how we gave of ourselves to, you know, the, the better, the greater good of the team. You know, you hope that they took those good qualities and now are gonna implement them into their game individually, but then collectively as a team. Like we wanna do what they did. And in order to do that, you gotta start, you know, you gotta watch our game, you gotta know who we are and you gotta start applying that in whatever way that you can. So if that means I gotta go out here, if I was a scorer and the coach tell me to go be the best defender then I got to do what I got to do for the team. And that's how we were able to succeed. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of dope now to see, you know, all the young ladies that are now like big fans and want autographs and stuff like that because they got to see, like you say, the model. The Minnesota Lynx was the model like, of what you can do and what you can be. And so it's kind of it's cool to see what they're going to be and how they're going to flourish in the near future, you know.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting, especially in the WNBA, because you know we sit around all day. We like, but they got this person, and they got this player, and they got mm-hmm. that player. But you can have the talent, but do you have the mindset that obviously the Minnesota Lynx had, mm-hmm. that the Houston Comets had, um, you know, as the first two to do it, you know, to really um, to take the multiple superstar model and make it work. So we we went from mm-hmm. you know young Simone. And then to LSU, where, you know, you, you guide your team to three consecutive Final Fours. You're the back-to-back Wooden and Naismith Player of the Year. Then you go to Minnesota. Now, in thinking about this part of, of your career, is there any disappointment that your career didn't end in Minnesota?
1: No. No. I'm a, a strong believer of things, you know, happen. It um, happen for a reason. You know, if it was meant for me to retire in Minnesota, I would have retired in Minnesota. It was the reason I was supposed to be here in LA. It was the reason that the coaching spot was available, you know, here in LA. It was the reason I had to experience that. Um, you know, for the first time in my career, I had to make a decision, a very hard decision. Like, I think the hardest decision prior to this was college. Deciding if I was going to stay at home or go to the University of Tennessee. And those are very hard. You got to know your worth, you got to know your value. And, you got to make the, like I say, you got to make the hard decision. And I decided to, to leave because of that. And it's weird because we had been playing and competing against L.A., you know, with 16, 17. So when we felt like we had created this rivalry. But everybody hates L.A. Now that I'm here, everybody <laughs> <laughs> hates L.A. So it's not a surprise, but, you know, it was kind of weird because you get here and you're not, you don't know if they feel the same way. But it was really, like, open arms. It was warm. It was welcoming. Like, I enjoyed, you know, the bubble, was a, the bubble was a bubble. But, you know, we enjoyed it. We had fun. I got to meet new people. I got a lot of stuff done when it comes to, like, the stuff I've been talking about with fashion and all this stuff. Like, I've met so many people being in L.A. that can help me, um, you know, with life after basketball when it pertains to that. Then I probably would have a many. You know what I mean? So, things happen the way that they should it's just unfortunate because people are so attached to you you know you spend that much time and you do you know so many amazing things with that team the fans the city everybody's like yeah you know and then you it feel like you ripped their heart out by leaving but they always gonna have a piece of my heart try not to get emotional on your podcast but the fans know like people know like I gave everything that I could I didn't I didn't shortchange them, I didn't cheat them, they got everything. When I left them, my body was in shambles, you know what I mean? So, it wasn't like I was one of them athletes that was like, eh, she was all right. Like, uh, oh, I gave you my all, and I got that back in return. Like, I don't feel like Minnesota don't love me. It's just business, you know? It's just business. Yeah. So, um, no, nah, that's why the fans, I'm like, man, I know it's going to be dope when I go back there. We're going to cry, cry, have a good time. I'm going to see, you know, some familiar faces. We're going to enjoy our old times it's always going to be like that. Whenever I go back to Minnesota, it's always going to be love. So it's, you know, it's just life, you know?
0: Well, you definitely have a very mature and grown up perspective when it comes to that. Some of us are trying to get to where you are um, in life. And, you know, I just can't wait to see Minnesota roll out the red carpet for you and in fact I can't wait to see every WNBA team in this league roll out the red carpet and do some kind of celebration for Simone Augustus because um, you're not just built up Minnesota but you built us up, built up our game and honestly I mean you are an icon in so many ways whether it was your crossover you know your locks your love for old cars your sneakerhead reputation your mid-range game when you look at the brand that is Simone Augustus what aspects of who you are off the court do you hope sticks with people Man, you just reeled off, like, a bunch of these <laughs> things. <laughs> um, and you don't have to use any of those. Know, just whatever. That's what stands out to me. But whatever you think that brand is.
1: Yeah, no, you know, it's the way that um, I engage with people. You know, athletes get a bad rep at times with not engaging with people as much. The W, not so much, but you know people walk past you don't give an autograph you don't do that and i know i can't find everybody's autograph or i can't get engaged with everybody but i try to show some love when i can i try to make sure it's for sure the kids and even in my engagement with the media as you know like it's very hard i don't like talking to the media but when i do i try to you know bring some positivity and all that stuff and I just hope that I had an impact on people where they was like, man, you know, I really enjoyed her, you know what I mean? Outside of basketball or whatever, but in the complete total brand, like I'm an athlete, I have, you know, I have my flaws, but for the most part I gave people my all whenever I was able to engage with them and they they felt it, they loved it, and they appreciated it, you know. That's the biggest thing.
0: I mean, after, you know, the track meet of running you down, when I finally got to talk to you, you know, you were always very enlightening and engaging <laughs> <laughs> after you went behind the bleachers for the first 10 minutes of the situation. No, seriously, though, I, I'm, I could not be happier to hear you on all these platforms and also to see that you're coaching because you just have so much knowledge and wisdom. And to that point, I wanted to push back the lens just a little bit. Um, And what's happening around the WNBA? You know, the growth in popularity, the league embracing, honestly, the identity of its players, which wasn't always the case. The new CBA allowing players to have more control over their careers. What, in your opinion, is the important thing that's happening in the WNBA now that wasn't happening early in your career?
1: I mean, you just named all of it. All of that is... um what we have been fighting for like we didn't have social media and all these opportunities that these girls have and to see the league embracing that and allowing them to like build that brand outside of the league or whatever is is amazing and it, and like you said accepting them for who they are like we're a very diverse and inclusive league and so to see the league you know years earlier we really would just talk about the mothers like every every wba player that had a had a child we were slamming the camera in their face like look because of the stigma like, oh the, the the league is gay. Well yeah, they got some gay players in here and they got some straight players and they got some trans players and they got we got a little bit for everybody. You know what I mean? Like people people could gravitate to the league because of um the diversity that we have. But to see the league finally embrace what they have been fighting for so long um is a beautiful thing. Taking care of the mothers. Now Now that we've, you know, put the camera in their face, but then, you know, behind the scenes, we really want to take care of them as much as we should have. Now seeing that the mothers can have, you know, babysitters and they can travel and they can do all this, make sure they got their own room and, you know, all this kind of stuff is amazing because I know the women before me that had, you know, children and had situations just didn't feel like they were protected. And this is supposed to be a league. That, um, you know, just like our NBA brothers, they always talk about this is a trap, you know, this is fact, this is brotherhood. Well, it didn't always feel like that. And I was starting to feel like that um, with all the movements and everything that the EC and the WNBPA, WNBA has been doing to, to make the necessary changes. And we're still working on stuff, you know, as far as trying to provide, you know, health care uh, to the players, um, you know, former players, current players, making sure that they're taken care of well after basketball. Because as you know, yeah, in my you know, in my just in my um uh, in my journey. But hell, I have all kinda injuries and stuff that later in life I'm gonna need some health care to make sure I'm taken care of. So I mean, just to know that we're on the right track. We got the right people in place, we got the right voices, we got the power, we got the brands, we got all this stuff coming our way and we're utilizing it in the right way is um is a beautiful thing.
0: It is, and you know, I think we definitely always have to stop and give all the love and respect to players even from your, from your time and your prime and those before you that didn't have these things but fought mm-hmm. for them. And, you know, I think players now are definitely seeing – the benefits of of the work and the fight that you guys put in—that's something that Swin often talks about. So the last couple of questions before Eli um, beats us up, um, you know, <laughs> you're, going back to the, going back to your four championships, you know, the Lynx dynasty. When you reflect on what it took to do what that organization did—not just the team, but the love, the fans, the way everything grew—there's so many WNBA teams that are fighting for that, that want exactly what you guys had night in and night out and minnesota though i know you know it was built from scratch um what is that blueprint look like like what are some of the things that stick with you that WNBA teams need to be considering in order to reach that kind of status now look at
1: you you want me to give
0: up a blueprint (laughs) a lot of the stuff
1: that happened like i don't know front office and all that like you know it was all cheryl and carly and everybody up in there but uh, Roger, they made the moves that was necessary. Like, they knew, like, the, the ecosystem, they knew Cheryl's system, and it were pieces that she needed. And so they would go out and try to make that happen. You know, but from a player's perspective, like, it was everything that we did was just organic from our identity becoming, like, the low Lynx and, you know, coming up with the, the tunnel chant and all this stuff like that just kind of happened, even with the fans. The fans came up with their own little, like, uh, group of fans that used to chant out uh, "Who's house, our house." We didn't start that. Like they just, you know, a lot of the things just kind of happen as, you know, the energy kind of flows. But um, I have to say one thing: like the organizations need to do better with taking care of their players because it wasn't nothing that we didn't have in Minnesota. That we if we needed it, we got it, and that could that could be as small as like a snack or a meal. All the way up to like the the healthcare, as you know, like Mayo Clinic is the um the official healthcare provider or whatever for the for the teams. But some, you know, you hear some stories coming from different players from organizations, and it's just like, oh, we didn't have this, or we didn't do that. So why would I want to come to your your organization, especially now? Like old school days, we ain't really talk a lot about the struggles or what we were going through on our respective teams. We just kind of went to work and did our job, you know. Mm-hmm. The younger players now. They talk about it. They chat about it. You know, they post it. They, you know, kind of like the kind of like, you know, they going to let you know, like, hey, we ain't getting this. They got that, you know. And so before that happens, why not do it? Why not make sure your players – the players are the league. If there are no players, there is no league. So make sure the players feel like professionals. They're treated as such, and they'll go about their job and do it well and not have to worry about all the rest of the stuff. And that's what Minnesota uh, did for us. We never had to worry about anything outside of playing basketball, from baggage to anything. You know what I mean? Like, get to the airport, we never had to grab a bag. You know, some teams still willing their bags to the airport. So if I had to say something, that probably would be it. Like, treat professionals like professionals, even though I know we aren't, we aren't on an NBA scale, where we charter flights flight and stuff like that. But it's a way that you can go about it where we can still feel somewhat you know exclusive you get what I'm saying yeah
0: absolutely it's all about the investment and it was very clear very clear um, that there was a high level investment in Minnesota and it takes that kind of support and, and the women of the WNBA are deserving of it okay last three rapid fire questions you got to answer quickly all right so high school LSU Minnesota USA basketball which one of those journeys in your career was the hardest USA. Because? Oh, you said rather fire. I know, but now (laughs) I want to know. Now I want to know.
1: (laughs) Well, no, because you're talking about the top players in the world. It's only 12 spots. And when I came in, Lisa Leslie was still playing. Katie Smith, Tina Thompson. you know what I mean? Like, you know, they ain't giving up those spots easily. So that was the hardest team by far to make and then because you got to still be at the top of your game during that time. So it was a 12-year span that I was like at the top of my game throughout my 15-year career that I had to beat that You wanted to be on that team, you had to be at the tip, tip, tip top in order to make that team. So, yeah, that by far is like the hardest team, you know, to make. So anybody that's out there trying to make that team, don't take that opportunity for granted, go in there, put in the work. and make sure you consistent with the effort and work that you put
0: in and that's part of your legacy because you were on top of your game for a very long time and you you have four championships that were rather spaced out to prove that right (laughs) every other year okay all right best advice you've received from a WNBA legend that is now retired
1: oh um T. Edwards Teresa Edwards um she took a liking to me when she was coaching in Minnesota uh, that year. And she was like, "Mom, you 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 play like me, but it take you to get mad in order for you to really like go hard." So she told me to find something to get mad at. She didn't care how big, how small. She was like, "It could be the first the first round. You get get mad and then get yourself going." Because she was like, "You didn't want to wait too late in the game before something happened and then you finally got mad to score out of, out of whack." The team needed you, wasn't there? So. Um, That really helped my career. I would just get mad about anything. Anything I had to get mad, so I'd get
0: myself on. I love T. Edwards. I was literally texting with her the other day. Like, she is, I absolutely love, love, love her. And that's great advice. Okay, last thing is, what is your favorite and best memory of your WNBA career? Ha, good luck with that one. I
1: know, so many, so many, but it's, it's the 11th. 11 run that we had, it was, it was fun. It was the easiest of four because nobody was looking for the links. But it was fun because, like I said, we built our identity, our swagger, all that in that, you know, to go on the run that we went on to get for. we built that in that year. And so that will forever be like the best memory of my um, WNBA career.
0: And you had just come back from an injury, right? Is that right? Or uh, like yeah, a couple years well, before?
1: Injury at nine, came back 10. We still, we had a losing season at 10. And then we had the uh, dynasty team at 11.
0: Woo, the highs and the lows. Well, Simone, I mean, there's nothing left to say. You dropped the mic on your career. You've accomplished everything there has been to accomplish. You've left your mark, your imprint, your legacy will live on forever. Um, You will have a statue, I know, on LSU campus one day very soon and deservingly so, but um, we just are, we're appreciative of you sharing your gift with all of us and just being an example of excellence. Um, and we wish you luck in coaching and fashion and all the things you have coming up in your future. Uh, we look forward to it. And I know that those LA Sparks players are going to learn so much from one of the best to ever do it, you know, about winning and about character, um, and about being excellent at everything you do. So we salute you and thank you for joining around the Rim podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.